0: My name is Noah. Hello there, Noah. Guess what? Big show on this week's episode. I'm going to go down deep and inside, what? The QNAP series server that supposedly runs Ubuntu, and I walk away surprised with what it can do, and it was not what I was expecting at all. How's that for a tease? Stay tuned. That's coming up. And then in the news segment, we're going to talk about all of these supposed users that are suddenly flocking to Linux. Why there actually may be some merit to this and how the open source community is stepping up to make it a soft landing for those fleeing Apple users. That'll be coming up. Also, Ubuntu has an idea to solve all of our Internet of Terrible Problems. We'll ask if it's actually legit and we'll tell you what they plan. And then... Towards the end of the news segment, we'll look ahead into the future towards Vulcan and virtual reality. Steam Dev Day is just wrapped up. The videos are posted online. And I pulled out a couple of tidbits out of the hundreds of hours of video to show you guys that are related to Linux. And then we'll get to the feedback. But before all of that, know what? do you know what we got? We got the picks. Who told you, dude? You nailed it. Good job. And I'll tell you, this first pick, I really think you would be, this is perfect for you. Forget okay. Google Glass, I have the new accessory for you. It is an electric skateboard that is powered by Linux running on a
1: Raspberry Pi. Hello and welcome to the Raspberry Pi video by me, the Raspberry Pi guy. Today I thought that I'd show you my latest project, a fully functioning DIY electric skateboard. It is powered by a Raspberry Pi Zero and controlled over Bluetooth with a Nintendo Wii Remote. This has been a really exciting build and I've been able to get to speeds of around 30km an hour on the board, which feels like an awful lot more when you're actually riding it. So what makes this project tick? The board this is built around is a top-mounted longboard from Wholesome that I got from a European skate store called Sick Boards. I kitted the board out with some caliber trucks from Gravity Supplies and then fitted this all out with a single 63mm alien power system brushless motor. Look this is an thing. 80 amp, 170kV, 3200 watt little power horse that goes plenty fast enough. The boxes on the bottom house and protect the electronics and the battery respectively.
0: Isn't this cool? And then he controls it That's all Really neat. as he's riding. He controls it all with a Wii U uh, Bluetooth remote. So he nice. can accelerate and back up uh, using the Wii, uh, the Wii remote.
2: That is that's ingenious in, in and of itself because a lot of us have been training our mind to use a Wii remote or, you know, PlayStation remote, what have you, Mm -hmm. as a method of moving our avatar around. So now we're just moving ourselves around.
0: Yeah. And and he's got some, uh, he's got some good video of him using it out on the streets and the thing really moves. I mean, I, I probably knocked myself on my butt riding on this thing. And Mm -hmm. uh, so you can, you can, uh, you can get all the information. I think they also have some code posted online, all this stuff. And I have the video linked in the show notes and I just I look at this and I think to myself, this would be such a great way to get around a city. Like if I lived downtown,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I'd rather do this than a bike or a Segway or a hoverboard. What if even. you
2: just sell me one of those?
0: Yeah, I know, right? I want the I want one running Raspberry Pi. There he is using the Wii U remote. I want a Raspberry Pi powered one. That's pretty cool. So that's our our runs Linux pick. Uh, For this week, and we have more picks, a desktop app pick, and a spotlight coming up. But first, I want to mention our first sponsor this week, and that's DigitalOcean. In fact, if you use the promo code, here's the thing over DigitalOcean, you get a $10 credit. You can try out their $5 rig, two months for free, or go hourly and really stretch it out. It's super cool because it's all SSD-backed droplets. They run on top of Linux with KVM as the virtualizer. They've got data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, Germany, India, goes on and on. They're always growing. And they have such a good interface to manage all of this, if you're an expert or a beginner. Ubuntu, FreeBSD, Debian, CentOS, CoreOS. It's, they got tons of distros to choose from. they got lots of data centers. they got tons of nice configurations and a boatload of documentation to back you up. Or you can deploy entire application stacks if you want. Check it all out at DigitalOcean.com and use our promo code, here's the thing. Also, I know how much you guys love your extensions. You extension crazy maniacs. I would recommend you check out the DigitalOcean Toolbox. This is a browser extension for Chrome and Firefox that allows you to manage all your droplets right there in your browser. So that's pretty cool, too. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code. Here's the thing. All one word, like you're slurring it, at DigitalOcean. And big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. No, I'm a big news consumer, and this is something I could totally host on a DigitalOcean droplet, now that I think about mm-hmm. it. It's fresh RSS, and it's like Google Reader or Lifera, only it's your own hosted web version, and it's really nice. It's fast, it's responsive, and it doesn't have a ton of requirements. It's going to have anything you might have on your standard LAMP stack, Apache 2, PHP 5, MySQL 5, and a web browser. You can also use SQLite or Nginx or, you know, if you want to use... a. Uh, Something else on the back end It's pretty flexible Like light HDBD Mm -hmm. This is uh, kind of it That's the short The the, the short um, uh, Tagline they have Is a free self hosted aggregator That's probably the best And I completely agree Like If you know what RSS is And you know why you might need A RSS reader Then I don't really need to say much And if you want to try it You can go to Demo.freshrss.org And uh, right now I'm showing you If you're watching the video version the, The night mode And it's, you can, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you were noticing, no, but as soon as I click the stories, they pop right up. Boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's super. Yeah, this is really nice. You can, anyways, it can favorite stuff. And I've I've tried, like, tiny, tiny RSS in the past, but it feels old and clunky, whereas this Mm -hmm. is really Mm -hmm. fast. Imports my feeds. So check it out, freshrss.org or Mm -hmm. demo.freshrss.org if you want to try it out. Very cool. Now, last week, I was, I was... Explaining that I'm looking for something to replace Simple Note and Evernote. Unlike you, I prefer to self-host my stuff. I don't want to rely on the cloud. And uh, so I'm looking to bring some of my most important notes and documentation offline, locally, on the device we're about to cover in the review segment. And so uh, I've been looking for something to do that. And this week... I've come across Flatdoc. I can't remember who sent this into me, uh, but I want to say thank you whoever did because they brought it to my attention. And it's the f- it's it is checking so many boxes for me. It's a small JavaScript file that fetches Markdown files on the fly and renders them as full HTML pages. Essentially, you get a web page generated without having to have server side components. No build process needed. Um you can also use it to you can use it to deploy via GitHub pages and fetch GitHub README files, which sounds like it could be pretty cool. It's got a responsive design and uh, it just creates HTML files for you on the fly. So you could potentially host it like out of your Dropbox or your SyncThing folder. I think this might have real potential for being um my perfect offline, self-hosted. I can get to it over the LAN. All of the stuff renders client side, doesn't require any server components. I just drop it in a server. Mm-hmm. On, on, a, on a folder, and uh, plus, like I mentioned, Markdown support. So it's Flat right. Doc. The URL is kind of crazy. So go check out the link in the show notes. And it has theming support, and you can you can extend the mark, Markdown support to fancier versions of Markdown if you want. And uh, yeah, I, I really like it. So it's 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 kind of nice. It's very simple, and it's a nice way to get started. Flat dock.
2: What do you think of those picks? Huh? I like it. I like it. I think the, the Flat Doc appeals. I I want to buy the skateboard thing. And uh, I'm going to have to give a serious look to FlatDoc because I wouldn't be opposed to jumping off a simple note. Uh, I'd say the real way that uh, anyone can get me into it is if there's some way that we can start doing show notes in something other than Google Docs, I pretty much take anything.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, I wonder. I picture it more for like self-documentation and notes and like things about like campsites and production notes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, But
2: mm -hmm. uh, Personal wiki kind of a thing. Yeah, Yeah.
0: that's always what I've kind of been looking Mm -hmm. for. But I I, I don't want to use like – uh my own i don't want to use an actual wiki cuz I, I there's lots of little wikis right. that i like that i've used for i've set yeah. up for clients but mm-hmm. i live markdown all day long so i write it second nature and i don't really know wiki markup or whatever it's called very well whatever yeah. you call it. i can't see i'm so i'm such a noob when it comes to that. i just don't want to do it i want to write it in markdown and sure. I want. I really like the idea of writing a whole bunch of flat files because if that project ever goes away, or I just decide I don't want to render it as HTML, I still have it all as flat files that I can use exactly. any other way I want. And that's exactly. always been the best way for me to do documentation long term: is offline text files that I can read in Cat, or I can, if, or I can render them in a web server. That appeals to me about it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I just want to give a quick mention because I, I uh, we spent too much time on it last week, uh, but we are shipping the Linux Action Show Super Key sticker with uh, any Linux Action Show sticker order. So you can get as many stickers as you want of any show, but if your order includes a Linux Action Show sticker, uh, Angela is going to include a black and white and a colored Super Key so you can hide up your shame on that. I've done, I actually have one on my keyboard right here because I just got like a keyboard that came with the case, you know, this
2: thermal mm-hmm. take or whatever. Or tea, I can't believe tea. you still have that one. I know. I'm honestly shocked because I just put it down there so that you'd have one it's to get horrible. it set up. But it's it's I loud. Really it's horrible. Yeah. It's,
0: if I didn't have a mute switch, I would have replaced it by now. Um, but it has this big old windows logo on it. And I just took one of these super key stickers and I just put it right over that, and it's nice now. And it fits right in the little enclave of the keyboards, so I like that. And it uh, will just include it for free, no extra cost. If you go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash stickers and your order includes a Linux Action Show sticker, um, grab one. And, you know, we have the new user air stickers up there, too, in the Red Rocket, too. jupiterbroadcasting.com slash stickers. But enough about that. Let's do the news.
2: Hey, it's the news. And this episode is brought to you by
0: Ting. Go to last.ting.com to support the show and take $25 off your first device or give yourself $25 in service credit if you bring a device. Now, Ting is mobile. It makes sense. No, no contract, no termination fee, and you only pay for what you use. And so, Noah, I know you just recently got a new Ting device for the lady. And I'm wondering, did you did you buy it from Ting directly? Did you bring it? What was your strategy?
2: I didn't I I did buy it from Ting directly. I bought her last phone from Ting directly. This time we went ahead and ordered a phone off of Amazon. Now, interestingly enough, the phone came at a time when I was gone. And so uh, she actually did the entire migration process herself, took the SIM card out of her old phone, put it in the new one, signed into her Google account. Everything came down. It was like magic. Two weeks later, the phone just totally dies on her. And so, yeah, I know. So she takes one of my, she on her own, goes down to the basement, goes down to the bin where I have all of my phones and I have many and picks herself out one does another migration to this backup phone, puts all of her stuff back onto it. He's using it. I didn't even notice. And she, she tells me, she's like, hey, my phone stopped working, so you need to order me another one. So phone three shows up, and, and now she does this migration migration again. And so she tells me, she's like, I'm really getting sick of, of messing with these phones. But she's like, Ting makes it really easy. All I have to do is take this. I just have this little card, and it's like, this is my phone, really. Mm-hmm. And I can put my phone into different so machines. Nice. And, and the Google Cloud is is working for her, and the you know the, the Ting dashboard is working for. Her. So yeah. everything is just it's a very easy you're never, migration you're process. Never,
0: you're never dealing with like Ting. You don't have to call in and get them to like approve another uh, IM ID or whatever it's called. You just you exactly. put it in there, and as long as it's compatible on their network, and they got a really nice BOIOD checker page, it works. Yeah. And you're just paying for what
2: you what use. Which you don't even need if you're just going to buy a GSM phone. Like you just yeah. buy a GSM phone, and then.
0: Yeah, yeah, really. Any modern, you know, they got a whole, they got a whole outline though on their shop page if you want to check it out. And of course, if you buy a phone from Ting, it's unlocked. They don't get in the way of updates or any of that kind of crap. So as soon as your hardware vendor puts out an update, Ting installs it. So like you get a Nexus mm-hmm. device, you're getting your monthly updates. Also, for us cord cutters, I always like the updates. I like to check in what Ting does on the blog. And they just posted a guide to new streaming players of 2016. And they do a, rou- a roundup of the new Roku 6 players, the new Fire Stick from Amazon. Uh, talk about uh, older TVs without HDMI and what some of your solutions might be. And this is actually a $40 buck solution to that. That's really nice. And they talk about TVs with 4K, TVs without 4K, TVs with 4K, with HDR. I mean, it's, this is extensive. If you're a cord cutter, you've been thinking about getting one of these Rokus, check it out. Start by going to last.ting.com, Check out their services. Try out their savings calculator. And then before you leave, swing by the blog and look at their new post for the uh, Guide to uh, Streaming Players of 2016. There's probably some good holiday gifts in there. Last.ting.com, and thanks to Ting for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. There's been a few stories brewing over the last couple of weeks. I don't know. You know I thought for a while we'd avoid talking about the new MacBooks on the Linux Action Show because they're not Linux. I know. I know. But it turns out there's been a bit of a Linux angle to this that I think... I don't know why it surprised me, because I I predicted this in our uh, 2016 prediction show, but I was still surprised. And we got uh, two different articles, one from Fossbytes and one from uh, Betanews.com. And they both essentially say the same thing. They talk about frustrated Apple fans looking at Linux-powered solutions, like the ones from System76, because Apple's simply not making hardware powerful enough. And I think some of the big uh, big things are 16-gigabyte RAM limit, only USB-C connectors, people in testing or trying out like a USB-C connector and their Wi-Fi goes offline. I, having systems that have had USB-C, have had a lot of mixed results with USB-C adapters. Mm-hmm. I've had I've had an Ethernet adapter turn off when I plug in a USB-C Hub. I mean USB-C is still a bit of a hot mess. Apple users are discovering this now. They're frustrated with the limitations in 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 performance and capability. It's got it's got a it's got a woefully underpowered GPU, a 16-gigabyte RAM limitations. We talked a little bit recently about how System76 has seen a huge response. They've even done, like, a special uh, shipping offer to to take advantage of the additional traffic. Mm-hmm. Do you remember my prediction where I said I think a certain tier of Mac users are going to get frustrated with the platform, people that make web apps and server-side mm-hmm. applications, people that use terminals and text editors, and they want they want maybe Chrome... They don't Mm -hmm. need uh, a lot of the stuff Apple's been building into macOS recently, and they don't necessarily like some of the restrictions Apple's putting on there. I know for me personally, 16 Mm -hmm. gigs of RAM isn't enough because I like to have virtual machines that can perform well. So I like to have multiple VMs sometimes running on my computer, and I run Mm -hmm. Chrome. (laughs) So, I mean, really, 16 gigs of RAM is is atrocious for me personally Mm -hmm. and my workload. And I feel like a lot of people in the creative industry feel this way. A lot of developers Mm -hmm. feel this way. I'm curious what you think of this. And if you think maybe my prediction is kind of coming true now.
2: I think it's definitely, I think it's definitely true. But I think if we back up and look at this, this has been in the making for a long time because I don't think Apple has been serving a lot of their customers incredibly well for a very long time. I I think that they have kind of just skimped by making the bare minimum upgrades necessary. And I think they focused a lot of their attention on their iOS devices. And I think that makes sense because Apple has never been a huge player in the, in the, in the desktop space, I mean, they sit there, you know, somewhere between 8 and 10, 15%, somewhere like that. And then you got 75%, mm-hmm. 85%, 90% of the people that are over in the PC space. And I think what you have, especially with the new back MacBook, and, and Lewis Rosman pointed this out in his review of the new MacBook, there are fundamental things that even if you're not one of those people that is, a, that is a power user of your computer, if you're just a basic guy, you just want to browse the internet and hook your laptop up to watch Netflix on the TV. There are some b- very big problems, and he he was he demonstrates in his review that there are certain adapters that you, you plug in, and he could not get the Wi-Fi to work if he had a, a certain hard, certain models of hard drives, external hard drives plugged mm-hmm. into his computer. I, my Skylake
0: systems with USB-C have also exhibited this problem. It might not be unique to the MacBook. It might just be a problem right now with USB-C, and that could be a major blow to professionals but, using the Mac platform. And, and, but I just and wanted that's to say – Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Well, I think I'm just going to say, OK, go ahead. Go, go ahead, ahead. No, it's fine.
2: The I, I, it, I would I accept that, except for if if the computer had USB C and then some other USB ports. The problem yeah, is yeah, yeah. the way like the Apple one, model maybe, is, one. they bank everything on a bad technology.
0: Well, I think actually I think the way Apple looks at it is they they feel like they legitimately see this is the future, and we want – they're going to – this MacBook Pro design that they just shipped is going to be mm-hmm. probably the one they use for, like, the next five or six years. And they're just going right. to iterate the internals. Probably the next right. provision will have 32 gigs once Intel ships a CPU at the power mm-hmm. profile that they want. The The issue is a lot of professionals have tool sets on those platforms, so moving is a major hurdle for them. And I really mm-hmm. believe, like, Linux is a great platform because they've already probably switched off of Windows. And right. uh, I, I saw uh, – Emma from System76 tweeted like she's getting more phone calls from frustrated Mac users than she ever has in the history of System76. And Cassidy, uh, who works at System76 and is seeing all of this, got the idea Mm -hmm. for the – he also was with the Elementary Project – got the idea to do a series of switching to Linux guides that are just really top-notch. I've got – I think there's four of them so far. I've got them linked in the show notes. It starts out with switching from Mac OS the basics, and it walks somebody through the process for switching – from the Mac platform over to Linux and elementary OS in specific, and he covers the basics, uh, developer environment tools, creative workflow, and then open source generals and principles for people who might not be familiar with some of this stuff so they have mm-hmm. kind of a better understanding of what's going on. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. Let's mm-hmm. step up to the plate. This is our Windows 8 opportunity with the Mac platform. We blew it. Vista came along; it was a shit show, and then, and then when Windows 8 came out, it was panned universally. That was the moment for Linux to, to just jump into up to jump into action. Yep. And of course, that was when Canonical launched Unity. We had all of the pushback, mm-hmm. and people switched to the Mac platform. Exactly. This this is this is so frustrating that this happened, and now once mm-hmm. again we've been given another opportunity. Instead of from Microsoft this time, it's by Apple, and I think Elementary OS is sharp. They've seen they've seen a big spike in their down downloads. Mm-hmm. Some people mm-hmm. coming from the Mac say, ah, oh, this is a rip off. This is oh Linux. It just copies everything. And other people say, this works for me. It's familiar. Mm-hmm. I can see they've gone in their own direction. They have a philosophy here and it works mm-hmm. for me. And I got to imagine the other distros are getting some good pickup too, but I think this is brilliant. And a lot of people should be jumping on this. I would love to see like distros come out ready to just load it on the MacBook. Everything's taken care of. Uh, mm-hmm. All those kinds of things I think could be a step in the right direction.
2: Yeah. So Sunday night, or no, it was Monday. It was Monday. It was Halloween. I was, I was going back and forth with, uh, with Emma on telegram talking to her about, you know, this, this essentially this movement that we're seeing, because we are really seeing the Linux desktop get birth to a lot of people and pick up in a way. And I think a lot of us have been kind of turned off to that. This is the year of the Linux desktop thing. And so we just, we don't even pay attention to it. And now I think it's, it's now I think it's happening and nobody's paying attention to it. And she was telling me that they had so many emails that at five o'clock in the afternoon, when everyone else is done, everyone going home. They're done for the day. They've been answering a a flood of calls. Their developers have been up all night trying to keep their website up because they had a 100,000 views on their website in the last 24 hours alone. And she said that they had 70 calls that uh, support things of people that wanted to buy laptops that had questions that needed to be answered before they could proceed. At five o'clock, this is at the end of the day. And she said, I'm not leaving here until we answer every one of these questions. And every one of these people has an answer from our company because that's how we treat our clients. And I thought, God, never, never have I been so excited to be able to go on the air and talk about a company like this. Yeah, it's it's a good
0: time to be making a product that uh, the the highest priority is not thinness and lightness. They offer a a, a laptop that meets that category, but they also have a range of products that legitimately challenge some of – they have they have they have laptops that are over the top, ridiculously more powerful than the desktops Apple ships now. They have mm-hmm. laptops that outclass their Mac Pro, that outclass their mm-hmm. iMac, they're, out, they're way outclassed. I mean, they, they they have laptops that are way more powerful than anything Apple users can get their hands on. And if they could get right. something that runs Linux that's supported by a company, I gotta imagine probably I bet Enterware is seeing some pickup, and I bet Dell mm-hmm. is selling some of their XPSs too. I mean.
2: It's probably not to the scale that System76 has.
0: No, because System76 has that we, really high-end stuff.
2: Well, not only are they really high-end, but they've also – they have established themselves inside of the scientific uh, community as being the go-to manufacturer for hmm, yeah, high-end okay. performance Linux systems. And so when you know, if you're a university or you're a research center and you talk to other universities and research centers and say, "What? how are you guys doing this? Their answer is pretty much uniformly – We use System76 to get this done. And so, and you know, the the interesting thing is success is where preparation meets opportunity. And System76 is a company that has spent 10 years preparing to to be as you so eloquently put it at the beginning of the episode a soft landing spot for people that are coming to linux and now all of a sudden with the failure the utter failure of windows 10 and the utter failure of the new release of the macbooks now you have these people that are jumping off cliffs and system 76 mm-hmm. is there to catch them mm-hmm. and one other thing i'll point out too because i, I did I, as you can imagine the apple hater that i am i've been doing a ton of looking around at this and i i was watching another review of the 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 previous the mac Book, so not the not the new MacBook Pro that has come out, but like the MacBook that came out last year. That computer, apparently, they advertise it as a given processor speed, two point four gigahertz or whatever, but it actually clocks down to some absurdly low thing, like eight hundred megahertz, mm-hmm. unless you like put it inside of like a water bin with a with a thing to keep. That it That cool is not unique to the cool MacBook
0: Air or the MacBook. Well, I'm, IMAX, I'm saying, the iMac's do that too. the The thermals on because of because of fan noise um, and because of how thin they are. The thermals are not that good, so uh, right. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. It, okay, so it, but Apple products, I guess what I'm, I'm comparing to is is compared to the products with System 76. When they advertise a specific processor speed, you will get that clock speed. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I yeah, just, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know that sounds kind of crazy to say, but that's the way they. Feel it is about. interesting
0: to see this happening. Uh, so the as we sit here, the Mac Pro is over is well over a thousand days old since they've updated it. Um, right. The uh, the MacBooks have gotten updated, and in some ways they're worse. You get less ports. There's some mm-hmm. less functionality. The, this, mm-hmm. the storage performance is great. USB-C does seem like a good thing long-term. Um, but And this, by the way, not an ad for System76. In fact, we're giving all this away because yeah, we could have said actually. this in the System76 ad, and we're saying it now in the news because this is legitimately how we feel on this. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a great time to be shipping a Linux product. I don't know if the Ubuntu desktop is fully up to the challenge. I think it's pretty damn close. So hopefully mm-hmm. if users' needs and expectations are set properly, Mm-hmm. They will not find it to be as frustrating. It is. I don't know if I would say it's going to be up to snuff of like the high end, like, you know, you know, tight pants Mac users. But people are just looking mm-hmm. to get work done. and need a powerful computer. I think we're set. Exactly. Exactly. Now, uh, we've been talking about the Internet of terrible or the Internet of trouble or Internet of mm-hmm. terror. Uh,
2: or the, the Internet, the way that Chris prefers things.
0: Wow, dude. I'm just kidding. Wow. Just kidding. I can't no, hear you through simple. No, I'm sorry. You're using too much. I can't hear you. All right. So uh, this is Ubuntu's uh, solution for this. Ubuntu core. We've talked about it a little bit. The new version 16 has launched, and I think they might actually have something here. They're pitching this to IOT vendors directly. They're saying, look. You take care of the software stack. We'll give you an OS with regular and reliable updates. You can schedule and plan around. They're using snap confinement to ensure applications are trusted and only touch necessary data, which has got to be pretty great. they got industry standards and regulatory requirements that they're going to meet for updates and operational security. They, uh, they are essentially pitching this as the base platform that you use for all of the things, from light controllers to routers to robots and drones. Seriously, all of that and industrial, industrial systems included uh, and they say that they're going to – you will get something called update control that allows software publishers and manufacturers to validate up, updates across the ecosystem before they're applied. So you can test before you send them out to production systems. Uh, all the updates will be done via Snap. So the transactional, so you can roll them back which is kind of a big deal when you're updating end-user systems out in the field. The operating system and kernel Ubuntu Core are also delivered as snaps, so the entire platform is transactionally upgradable and rollback capable. And all Ubuntu Core devices from all manufacturers will have free and regular, reliable security updates. Now, what are they doing different than just using a minimal Linux? What are they doing differently than uh, Linux from scratch and and using Mm -hmm. BusyBox or whatever? What they are doing different here is they are taking care of – all of the back-end work, working with the hardware drivers, doing the kernel developments, shipping the user land, updating it, making sure it's tested, making sure it can roll back, and snapping up the core applications. They're also going to bundle it with like a, with app store capabilities, so vendors could roll that kind of stuff. And there's a whole bunch more stuff that if you're selling a device that connects to somebody's Wi-Fi to do something neat, you, you really care about. What I care about here, and I think this is huge, is this could fundamentally change the Internet of Things if anybody that matters actually adopt this platform. Now, they got a bunch of people out there and canonical employees that are watching right now will say well we got actually a lot of people using it right now bullshit i want to see it on some big products that i can buy on the shelf and best buy because the fundamental thing that we are screwed by right now is all of these little shit devices all over the internet that aren't getting updates that are getting owned that are doing DDoSes. it's ridiculous it is a problem that we caused we being the industry at whole, caused, we knew, we knew that before we even shipped any of the Internet of Things devices, we hadn't figured out how to patch and fix everybody's routers out in the wild. And before we figured that problem out, we decided to put Wi-Fi chips in everything. It's too late. Consumers expect it. It's how the world's connecting. And now we need reliable, updatable software on these things. And you guys have never, ever, ever figured out how to do it right. You've never gotten it right as an industry. Not even Google gets it right. And so mm-hmm. Canonical's like, you know what? We've been shipping a system that you use on your cloud. You use it on your most important servers. You got it on your desktops. You got it on your laptops. Let us handle this for you. This, I really feel like, Noah, this could shift security for this entire platform and take it from something that we mock to something that's actually usable, reliable, and secure. Transactional updates, them handling mm-hmm. all of that stuff, even the kernel is rollbackable. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. kind of thing where you can have a little button. You can have a little button that the, the, the consumer pushes, and it just rolls back to the previous snapshot. The, the entire previous file system is just sitting there, ready to go. You can just switch over to it. You can have a little button that does it, and it's all taken care of for them, if the feels like it would be stupid not to use this. Am I am I am I am I too excited about it? Is it too no. unrealistic? What do you think?
2: No, in fact what I was going to say was uh if if Canonical goes through with this and this actually takes off in the internet of things because comes something that is based on Ubuntu and the the code is open and we can verify that it's secure and all of those good things and we know that we have interoperability because it's it's working off of a common open set open standard you know, that, that people are using. If all if 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 even half of that happens, I will take back every yeah. bad thing I ever said about the Internet of Things and I will embrace it and I will love mm-hmm. the Internet of yeah. Things, oh, with one exception. Mm. They have to make sure Wi-Fi works. <laughs>
0: You know, and I just want to make it clear: I don't care whose solution it is, if it has all of these things. And Red Hat makes it good. I don't care. I don't care yeah. who makes
2: it, as long as it's Linux based and it's something the industry adopts. That's what I want, yeah. right? I, I, I mostly agree, but I do. I, I care into the to the extent that I trust as. as Upset as I am after last week's episode with Canonical, I still trust them to make a product with my best interest more than I would trust some place like Google or Amazon yeah. or, or whoever else. So I, if to that also, except, I care.
0: they've shown in the past they can actually sign partnerships. I mean, look, they've worked with yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of different phone vendors. They've worked mm-hmm. with Valve. They can do this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it does fit in with a, a, a cloud desktop product line. Like the whole – it does exactly. all, probably fits in more than the phones do really, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's just, it's I like,
2: probably a less tapped market than the phones are, too. Yeah,
0: and one that really desperately needs solved at, like, a super important to the internet level. So I'd love to see it. Now, uh, something else I'd love to see is Vulcan shipping on Linux. But more than that, I'd like to see vendor support of it. This is quick and short, but it's from Steam Dev Days, and you can watch the whole thing if you want. i got it linked in the show notes. But I have... Oh, there's a dog outside that's excited about it, too. My neighbors have a dog, and what they like to do is just put it in the backyard and then just leave it out there. That's great. That's what you do when you get a dog. You just leave it outside all the time. Um, so and never tell it to stop barking either because it's got to express itself. So this is uh, <laughs> Steve, right, right? I mean, you gotta let the you gotta let the dog express itself. amendment it's rights for canine. So this is just quick, short, and sweet. Uh, asking about Vulcan and VR on Linux, and uh, I love it because you got a developer and then another developer I- I- enthusiastically chiming in that they're going to jump on too.
2: Oh, sure. So uh, I forget if I mentioned it, but um, we're going to be demoing uh, in the social area this, this afternoon and this evening um, Steam VR running on Linux on Vulkan oh, with yeah. uh, a Source 2 title on Vulkan. So please come check that out. But yeah, we're, we're right now um, very focused on um, g- getting Vulkan in shape for VR and ultimately also adding uh, multi-GPU support to our engine for, uh, for VR for Vulkan. So that's kind of where our focus is. Great. Anyone else? Yeah, we also well for us uh, VR as soon as the platforms and the API and the uh, SDK is basically supported, we'll just jump in um, since we're almost done with the Unreal Five um, feature set.
0: So we got Vulcan uh, shipping up. Uh, we got some, for some users already shipping, uh, but what's more important is actual developers are getting ready to target and VR on Linux is nigh. Once Vulcan is settled, VR is coming to Linux, and there there there's several demos now. We've seen it. That's really cool. Um, and it just gives me, it gives me a little bit of hope because I've gotten, I've gotten my beak wet with VR. I think it's fun for me. I don't care if it takes off. Screw you guys. If you don't like it, I really enjoyed it. And I, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not willing to run windows for it.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm the not, same way. I'm the same way. I'll probably the end the, on the, a console the, before the vibe, I do that. And the HTC Vive might be the closest I've ever been to saying, man, if there was, if the, if there was a reason to, to, uh, uh, to use windows, man, that's it because it is a sweet experience. It's just not quite there. Mm-hmm. Every time I think about it, I just I can't stop thinking about the fact that it's running on Windows, and then I can't enjoy it. Mm-hmm.
0: Multi-GPU support Vulkan and VR could all be in 2017's future. Now, there is a 40-minute talk by a, a Unity developer who works on Unity, the game engine, and the new Unity editor for Linux, which, ta- which was talked about a little bit in this video. And uh, she deals with a lot of people that are coming to develop for Linux for the first time. And I thought that was kind of interesting to hear what are the common problems developers run into. And so she just talks about some of this, and here's an interesting tidbit from the entire video. I will link it in the show notes if you guys want to watch all of it. Usually, Unity games just work. Normally they do. Um, as long as, you know, like I said, the system has the compatible C++ runtime version um, and, and the right OpenGL capabilities. Um, we do get... You know, we, we have analytics that tell us people are using other distributions. I can say for certain, before we shipped Unity support for Linux, I had absolutely no clue that there were so many Arch Linux users in the world. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, apparently, they hear about hear about the Arch a lot. And the other problem that she says the developers make mistake they make all the time is uh they only ship a 32-bit build, and, and she says that's just super annoying for Linux users because they have to install all these 32-bit libraries to make that work, and most Linux gamers are on 64-bit systems, so make a 64-bit build.
2: Most e- computer users in 2016 yeah. are on yeah. 64-bit versions. Yeah. I don't know why I know. that is so difficult. I, so I was,
0: I was glad she was up there uh, saying that, and she says, you know, if you, target, if you target the Steam runtime, you make a 64-bit build, it's going to work for all those Arch users. She's like, you got to understand there's a lot more than, than you expect. So don't shoot for Ubuntu specifically. Shoot for the Steam runtime and make it 64-bit build, and you're good Mm -hmm. to go. The whole video, Mm -hmm. if you want to learn, if if you're curious about uh, the state of Linux game development using a commercial game editor and the Unity engine, it's an interesting talk. And uh, you can tell they've been working on quite a bit of stuff. So I think next year is going to look even better when it comes to that stuff. That's it, Noah. That's all the news for this week. tell you what, I am on the edge. I'm about to build myself a brand new NAS, a custom Linux box. I'm not even sure what distro how many disks I'd toss them all in there. And I have a very unique situation that this NAS has to accommodate. And I, I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I had it all dialed in. And then I got my hands on this new QNAP for review And I'm starting to rethink a few things. I'll tell you about that and the unique situation that this NAS has to accommodate. But first, I want to tell you about our segment sponsor, making this possible, Linux Academy. LinuxAcademy.com slash... Unplugged. Go there to support the show and sign up for a seven-day free trial. This is a platform to learn the nitty-gritty about Linux, all the high, fancy technology built on top of Linux, and even things like Azure, AWS, and OpenStack. Hands-on, scenario-based labs give you experience on real servers. Full-time human instructors when you need help. They have a course schedule where you can pick a course and set a time frame to fit your schedule and learning goals. And the Learning paths are a series of courses and content planned by instructors for specific career tasks. They have a community stack full of Jupyter Broadcasting members, public profiles, so you can either brag or show an employer or a client what you've gotten done. And I think one of the things that's made it really possible for people to study on the go, besides the downloadable comprehensive study guides, besides the videos and the MP3s you could take with you, one of the nice new things I think is really helping people study on the go is their iOS and Android applications. So go check them out. They also have lab servers. They'll spin up on demand when you need them. they got distributions to pick from where the content of the study guides and the materials and the virtual servers match that. And they have study, study tools that you get to keep with you. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Go there to support the show slash unplugged and sign up for a seven-day free trial. Linux Academy keeps growing and getting better and better and better every single month and makes your subscription more and more valuable. It's great. Check it out. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. All right, so I take you to the Jupiter Broadcasting Studio on Project Day, while I give you my first review and take and setup of the Qnap storage device. Today is Project Day at the JB Studio, and I've got this Qnap here. In <laughs> fact. I've got a QNAP with some hard drives that I'm about to get into, but first I'm gonna enjoy myself a little nacho taco Obviously, I haven't opened the box yet But from what the printout tells me QNAP has sent me one of their QNAP TS 435A Rigs 435 yep, that's what matches on the box and we also have ourselves four eight terabytes, uh, Seagates. So I'm gonna unbox this stuff and, uh, start to get to work. <laughs> so here's what the front of it looks like. Uh, you can see it's got the four hot swap bays. But what actually has me really fascinated, it's what's on the frickin' back. Boop, 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 boop. Look at that, do you see what I see? Yeah, there's, uh, there's some ethernet there, that's awfully nice. But no, look. I don't know if that's picking up. That might be it might be too dark. There's two freaking HDMI ports. Two HDMI ports. And it looks like microphones in. These are microphone jacks. An external power supply. I'm already kind of intrigued about this box. Seagate NAS hard drives. Smart 8 terabytes each. Honestly, exactly what I would have gone with myself if I picked them out personally. I'm about to turn it on for the first time and just for good measure, I've hooked up HDMI and USB as well. I have no idea if it's gonna put anything out to the display, but I wanna catch it if it does. So I'm gonna just connect the power, off to the races. plug in the power brick System is booting. Each drive's lighting up. Now, according to the instructions, I'm supposed to like scan some sort of QR code and then have it discover my QNAP. That feels pretty proprietary. I'm not so sure that's going to work. We have HDMI output, which makes me think I'm not going to rely on some sort of weird Windows app to discover this thing. I'm saying no to multimedia features. Select the disk configuration you want. Come on, you gotta see this. Select the disk configuration you want. Create static volumes, create thick volumes, create a thin volume. Configure later. Whoa. Uh, I like things thick. I also like things static when it comes to my storage. But I need it thin. Damn it. I went with static because I don't want to break the drives up into multiple volumes. Uh, but look at this here please like so then I can go in and I can either say configure it later at his member disc Obviously, I want to add all of these Tempted to do a hot spare, but it doesn't look like that's a configuration option Oh once you dedicate these to the pool it automatically allows you to set up hot spares. That's nice If I was smart, I would do that all right. I'm clicking next So we can go with please like the raid type estimated available space be 23 terabytes at uh, raid 5 if I do raid 6 It's 15 terabytes And if I do a RAID 10, 15 terabytes. But if I do a RAID 0, 31 terabytes. Oh, that would be so nice. But nope. RAID 5 will be it for us today. Encryption. Nice. Scan bad block. That's also nice. All right. So it sets up with a default admin, admin username, gives me an IP, and uh, tells me my network status. I am not in Casablanca, that is hilarious. Oh, interesting, using Extended 4 for the uh, file system. Doesn't seem to be a way for me to get up there and change Casablanca right now, but I'm betting I can change that after setup. Look at that. It's asking me if I want to install the hybrid desk station, which is apparently like a a desktop with Chrome and Kodi, and it uses the onboard HDMI to send out to your TV or a monitor. I'm gonna skip that because I don't need that, but if you were tight on hardware and you needed an extra system, I could see using this from time to time or connecting it directly to your television and have it be in your media center with all local playback. I could actually see myself doing that down the road, but for right now I'm gonna skip it to keep the install lean. Alright, so we have ourselves... Geez, if I could type, we would ha- we have ourselves... kernel 3.19.8 I'm not seeing any sure signs that it's really Ubuntu. Uh, it just looks like a really minimal Linux install to me. I imagine some of you are wondering, hey Chris, why a QNAP? I mean, why not just build a rig? Use OpenMediaVault or FreeNAS, something like that, or just plain Linux if that's what you really want. And I think you might be right. Um, why a QNAP? I'm, I'm honestly a bit skeptical. I'm curious to see what a product shipping Ubuntu can do, but I, I have a rather unique situation that I'm trying to make my file server accommodate. I have some future projects coming up going that require a ton of storage, but that's not the tricky part. I've got to find a way to put all of that storage in there. You see, the thing about an RV, is it's not like there's a master bedroom I could stuff this all into, or a basement, or anything like that. I've got to find a space somewhere in there to fit a lot of storage. And now because I'm going to try to fit all of this gear under a dinette booth seat that's enclosed, I'm getting more and more concerned about heat and one of the ways I can reduce heat is by having fewer rigs. Not only that, but these things are going to draw battery power when I'm camping, so less machines equal less power draw. So the QNAP appeals to me because it's apparently, although I haven't tried it yet, supports virtualization using KVM. It supports media hosting. It uses Linux. I'm led to believe I haven't confirmed yet, I'm led to believe it uses Ubuntu Linux under the hood. So it's all things I might set up on a rig if I built it separately. A NUC, attached to a storage control over iSCSI or NFS. This brings it all together in one box, which, in theory, will draw less power, produce less heat, and give me less things to manage in a tiny space. Huh. I just logged in. I'm installing updates. And I see one of the top bug fixes right here is Dirty Cow. They've apparently rolled this fix out a, few, a little bit ago, and... Uh, I've already got it. That's nice. Now let's take a look at the interface to manage the QNAP. It puts its IP right up on its main screen, so it's easy to figure out what it is. You log in with the basic admin admin. Of course, change it later. Okay, we've got four drives. They all seem to be working. 10% optimizing, 21 terabytes total capacity. This is a better interface than I was expecting. Got to take a look at the virtualization guide here in a second, but uh, let's take a look at the control panel. Holy crap, look at all this stuff. Network virtual switch, firmware update... External device, SNMP, domain controller, transcode management. That is so cool. To speed up transcoding process, please go to the App Center and install the Codex Pack. Okay. This Codex Pack is an advanced proprietary hardware technology to considerably improve the performance of transcoding tasks on your NAS. Yes. Yes, I would like to install that very much. Yes, yes, I would like to. Yes, I want that. Yes, please. I agree to anything you tell me. Holy crap! Look at all this stuff. Linux Station. Linux Station is a standard Linux desktop platform that allows QTS allows you to use QTS while simply using Linux on an HDMI display. Simply connected keyboard and mouse in an LXC container. So they're sticking a desktop inside an LXC container. So it's not virtualization. It's faster, but it's still contained. Gmail backup, object storage server. QNAP object storage server allows QNAP TurboNAS to support data access using S3 and OpenStack compatible object storage pools. That is so cool. So you got your standard uh, like uh, surveillance camera plug-in support, uh, S3 backup support. That's kind of st- typical for these kinds of things. And of course, your Plex Media Server. Uh, Rosalio Sync, huh? MB. Hey, we got MB. It's got an Etherpad light server. It's got an Etherpad light server. That's huge. That is huge for me. Oh, man, this is going to save me so much time. All these little things I've been thinking about setting up and this thing's just got them built in. Virtualization station. This is it. The virtualization station is compl- <laughs> I'm so excited. I am so excited. I can't even speak right now. The virtualized date the virtualization station is composed of storage management and virtualization technology and allows you to install VMs on the TurboNAS running Windows, Linux, Unix, and even Android. Android on my NAS? Now I just kind of want to do it. Virtuali- virtualization station allows users to open the data on the TurboNAS directly through the VMs. Yes! 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 Woo! Yey! Hmm. They got a lot of stuff for backup. You know, I I think I expected things like Plex and a few backup scripts, but this the app availability blew me away. Like this is the thing I was looking forward to the least on this rig because I just was going to set up some VMs and install everything myself, but this I love that it's using LXC containers and I love the availability. Like this is these are really good projects some of which I've completely forgotten about. I can't wait to play with some of this stuff. And some of these things, it's making me think I could use this NAS for stuff I hadn't considered before. Now the part I've been waiting for, the virtualization station setup. Looks pretty straightforward, just a couple of options to configure. I like that I can set up multiple network adapters if I want. So I could have dedicated one of these adapters to the VM. I just don't have it plugged in and activated right now. You know, really thinking about it, I don't think I'll need more than one or two VMs. With the apps that this thing has available that run in containers, that's probably a more efficient way to do it. So there might only be a couple of things I need in the VM now. This is going to be really, really nice, and most of it's all going to be work-specific. All new network design. No, no need for extra network interfaces or VMs. Look at this interface. This is really slick. Hm. So they have default VM configurations for me to pick from. Look at that. A mini would be perfect. Okay, I have my basic virtual machine set up, so now you're wondering what's next? Well, I kind of have a unique opportunity to really test this thing. I'm about to get on the road and go to Berkeley, California for Meet BSD. So I'm gonna take this home to the RV, set it all up there, change the defaults like the time zone and the password, and actually production test it on the road, and then I'll report back in part two how that went, how it performed, and the limitations I may or may not have ran into. I really have some follow up I should do, too, since that review, because it's been a couple of days and I've
2: been plugging away at it now. And and now it's just to be clear, your follow up as it's been installed at your home.
0: Actually, no, I ended up deciding to bring it back to the studio for a couple of more tests. Um, uh, But it's going back there before I go to meet BSD. Yeah. So I got to get that done before I leave, (laughs) which I don't know. uh,
2: Another follow up question that you didn't address in the video. um, A couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about doing it. You had talked about moving all of JB's workflow over to the QNAP temporarily. Yeah. As a method to alleviate so that you could rebuild the, the three-nest. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That that so I, that's, that's why it's back here. Although with, with the meat coming up now, I don't think it's going to be possible. I was going to attempt to do it this morning, um, okay. but I don't, I didn't, it didn't work. So I wanted to do it before the show. I know. I'm crazy. Um, but I, wanted, I actually wanted to pick your brain on what you thought about the fact that this thing has an external power supply. And I wonder if you think that means I could use DC power to power this thing. What's the voltage? I, oh, you know what? I don't know. I'd have to look. So if that's what it comes down to is like 12 volts or what?
2: Well, I mean, so here's the thing: if it has an external power brick, that means that you're converting AC to DC on the outside of the unit. So it's that means the unit itself is taking DC. That's yeah, good. That's what so I So basically, what it means is if it's 12 volts, you just plug it in, and it'll just work. If it's anything other than 12 volts, we can you can buy a you know a step up or step t- a step down uh, you know voltage step yeah. so that you can go from you know 12 to 9. But I bet you, I bet you, here's my guess: it's either 12 or it's 19. That's so if guess.
0: if I can get DC power to it, then this thing essentially would be using the house batteries as a UPS to a degree. <laughs> because the probably otherwise and this is doable but so I'm I, like I said in the video I'm putting this in a dinette booth and I I am so lucky that the way they designed the home theater system in the RV they decided to put the mm-hmm. sub under the dinette so they they installed an AC powerlet in, uh, power outlet under inside the like I open up the booth seat and there's a power mm-hmm. plug in the booth seat. I'm like this is amazing. And because it's on the entertainment system and they want you, they want the TV to work while you're driving down the road. It's on the it's on the always on inverter. But there is a half a second switch over every now and that happens when I switch from battery to shore power. And mm-hmm. I think that's just enough to screw up a system. So uh, one of the other things I'm going to bring with me when I bring it back to the RV tonight is a UPS mm-hmm. battery. And I'm just going to plug the UPS battery into to, to nice. solve that problem. But if I could get it on DC power, that would be great. A couple other things I noticed while I had it in the RV for like two hours um, – mm-hmm. It has built-in temp monitoring. I was worried about getting too hot in there, and they have a dashboard sure. I can bring up. I can look at all the temps, and I can set alerts and auto shutdown. So nice. that's problem. That's really nice and solved. Uh, the other thing that I ended up turning on, uh, which I'll, I'll try to include in the next review if I keep it on, is two-factor authentication, which I didn't realize it has, but it does have that for the UI for the, for the admin interface. Yeah, just to try it. Yeah. Why not? I'm just going to try it. Uh, the other thing I'm tempted to try is the Linux installation that I can do to use the HDMI port and have it just run Kodi. Straight out. The thing has a quad-core processor and 8 gigs of RAM. So it's got some room for virtualization. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'll I'll play more with that. I I really haven't bothered because everything I want right now is being solved by the built-in apps. uh,
2: So so digging around a little bit, I noticed they also make, if you want to get just started with a QNAP, they make an entry-level version for $249. It's a two-bay model. But if you're just looking to kind of play with it or maybe you don't have any sort of file server, 250 bucks just to get started is not bad. And I would assume – I don't know this for sure. I would assume that the operating system and all of those features are still there on the less expensive model. You I just think have so, less
0: yeah. Um, um, and so it, it runs, it runs um, QTS embedded Linux uh, on the NAS, and then it runs Ubuntu in the virtual machines or container. You can also do containers, so it's just kind of gotcha. nice too. So you don't even have me, to have if you're just buying one with it. If you're just going to do containers, you don't even need 8 gigs of RAM probably. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Uh-huh.
2: well, for me, I would not want to use um, uh, you know, like a stand model like that. I would want something that mounts on the rack. Yeah, for $549 they do make a one U and it is the what what I call I don't know what the technical name is but I call them uh, I call them uh, pizza versions pizza box versions where it's it's it can mount into a two post Telco rack nice. which is really nice if you're putting it in like your basement. Um and so and they, they it's 549 bucks it's a four bay module so I would assume that the it's basically the same thing that you have it just slightly different oriented.
0: Yeah, uh, this one. Well, so this one also has the two HDMI out ports, the microphone in jacks, and oh, okay. an and sure. an IR receiver. And I, I didn't I didn't bring it in here. It comes with a remote. It comes. So if you do want to use I'm it as nice. your as your media PC, it comes with a sure, full sure. freaking remote. Um, so that's pretty damn impressive. And I don't think yeah. and it has a it has a karaoke app. It mm-hmm. has a karaoke app, which I'm thinking about. Could be kind of a cool, if I, if I, I'm not totally sold on this thing yet. I'll see how it runs, but I think I'm going to probably keep it. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm probably mm-hmm. going to keep it. But, cause the thing that's, that's nice about it is, uh, it has microphone in jacks. So if like for Christmas, I could get Hadia a couple of microphones, install the karaoke app, and now we have a karaoke sure. machine, which is just ridiculous. But we'll see how it, so my intention is, uh, mm-hmm. my intention is to put it back in the RV. And then use it to store all of my footage that I'm using for editing for MeetBSD on the road. Nice. And a future project that I have planned, and then I have, of course, I have literally like uh, probably 14 terabytes of data that I want to load on it almost immediately after we mm-hmm. try the Studio FreeNAS test which we talked Mm -hmm. about in User Air 8. Uh, So, yeah, that's sort of where it's at right now. So part two will be coming down the road when I've actually uh, put it in production for a while because I feel like I I had to break this review up in the experience with it, the unboxing, the setting it up, and then the actual using it because it can have a great UI and tons of nice apps, and it does have a good UI, which works great in Chrome at least, and um, has some really great apps. Mm -hmm. But how well does it actually run? How well can it actually, like, transcode media for me? Uh, Supposedly, by the way, does... All the way up to four K hardware accelerated media transcoding. Nice <laughs> Yeah. I don't have four K TV, but that is pr- it's nice to know that it has overhead, so it should have no problem doing mm-hmm. high bitrate 1080p. So uh yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna the other thing I have to do now is I have to get an, a little Ethernet network set up uh in the R V because everything's been run over Wi-Fi now, but I'm not gonna mm-hmm. access twenty four terabytes of storage over Wi-Fi. That's that's where i draw the line the, so the, the infrastructure is technically there you just got to plug a cable in right what i'm going to do and well i gotta, point I, I want to yeah. run it and i want to run the cable in a way where it doesn't like get caught up in the slide and stuff like that but yeah the cr- yeah. i'm going to use the built-in hub to the cradle point to plug yeah. in this uh what i plan is to, i'll plug in my my editing laptop uh this QNAP and maybe the main TV one if i want to run a cable over there but i'll probably skip that for now mm-hmm. uh so yeah so there'll be i'll get all of that set up and then i'll i'll have some hands-on experience with it and uh, I'll come back with part two of the review and let you guys know how it went. So, that is my first look at the QNAP that runs Linux. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. We got some feedback to read, but before we get out of here, I got to say holla to the folks over at System76.com creating machines that are actually high end performance machines. Actually, every workload you got. If you're doing some off- office work, some desk work, or you're doing some high end editing. In fact, I would like to know there is a lot of people out there in the audience that have gotten the Orex Pro with its GTX 10 series GPUs. Oh, yeah. It's surprisingly thin. I'm not going to say it's a thin laptop, but it's got a surprisingly thin design for how much power is in this thing. You can get up to 64 gigabytes of RAM in the Oryx. And I would like to know if anybody out there has ever tried hackintoshing one of these sons of guns and dual booting it. That's right. I want to know. Have you tried it? Because uh, that'd be a hell of a video editing workstation. Hey, look at that! It's got an SD card reader. Isn't that nice, Apple? You should check that out. And it's got USB, It's got two what USB C ports on the side. It's got two USB C ports too. Did you see that? I think that was USB C that just Did went
2: by. Did you see that Ethernet port?
0: Yeah, and HDMI out. Like and and, and uh, is that that's two Thunderbolt ports? I think right there. Man, I got to get my hands on the new Oryx. I have I I I I was like the, one of the first people to touch an Oryx outside of System 76, and it it I am totally out of touch with this product. And it's a huge hit in our audience. I got it system seventy six we gotta talk we gotta talk because I gotta I gotta learn I gotta know the Oryx because that and I also want try to hack it system seventy six dot com go there get a system built born, created. To run Linux. And uh, in the comment section when you check them out, give us a little credit by letting them know that Noah switched you to Linux. Even if you already run Linux, it just makes me smile. That's why we do it. System76.com, and thanks to them for sponsoring. L Feedback. Speaking of L Feedback, it comes from David L, and He says, I got a question about a new Linux computer. As my father is soon looking at retirement, he is going to lose access to his work-provided laptop. He's asked me for a recommendation on a new machine. I'm considering possibly moving him over to Linux. Nice. He is technically competent and not afraid of trying something new, but is still more comfortable going with a well-known manufacturer. Immediately, my first thought was maybe the Dell XPS 13, as he's familiar with them, and they uh, offered Linux support out of the box, which is a huge plus. However, after looking into this device, it appears these machines are affected by the content adaptive brightness control. Wow, I didn't even know that. Uh, apparently, that's a thing, and it can't be disabled, uh, and coil wine issues hmm, I, you know, I don't have the most recent uh, XPS 13, but mine doesn't have any coil wine issues, and I guarantee you I would notice it if they did. He says, outside of System76 machines, is the XPS 13 still the go-to Linux laptop, or do you have any better recommendations? Thanks. So what do you think about this one, Noah?
2: I, I honestly, you know, I might have had some other suggestions or some other thoughts for you a couple of weeks ago, but after watching what has transpired with Apple and after watching how System76 responds, I think it would be almost irresponsible to say that there is another go-to linux laptop outside of the lineup the system 76 offers there are some people that have had some success with thinkpads there are some people that have success uh, you know installing linux on some uh, on the, some of the older versions of macbook pros um and there are people that have success on some of the asus ones so you, you could try all you could try some of those and certainly the xps is a nice platform but i think if you really want to get your money's worth and you really want a solid computer, especially if it's going to a user that isn't uh, necessarily familiar with Linux, and you want him to have a Linux hotline you can pick up and just call and say, I don't know how to make this work or that work. Emma answers the phone and should be able to walk your dad through exactly what he needs to do. And they are getting more than their fair share of experience this week. Uh, mm-hmm. Doing that, so I guess that would be my yeah. only. Recommendation. I would say the. I would say I wouldn't. I you know,
0: she's that dog's back. I wouldn't worry as much about the coil wine issue. I haven't experienced it myself, but you might want to just double check on that. Uh, and you can always take advantage of the return policy. Here's why I would draw the line: is the XPS thirteen? That dog, man, that dog just distracts me every time. The XPS thirteen is probably your best bet if your dad is interested in the four K display. Linux's four K support. Our high DPI support isn't awesome, but it's pretty much usable on every major desktop environment now. And with Mm -hmm. a a little bit of tweaking, you can generally get it set up and working just fine. And if you use Chrome, I don't know so much about Firefox, you're going to be pretty set up. And that XPS 13's edge-to-edge, like, infinity-style display with, like, Mm -hmm. very, very minimal bezel and a high DPI resolution is gorgeous. But you do have a 16-gig RAM limitation with the XPS 13. May or may not be an issue for you. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be – if you're just going to go 1080p anyways, and I I really think you should probably go System76 just for that support infrastructure that Noah was talking about. However, as an XPS 13 owner as well, which is not here at the moment, I really love it. And if you're across the pond, of course, you can always check out Entroware. Uh, I have the Apollo. It's also a great laptop, and it has USB ports, HDMI, and USB-C, and an SD card reader. So it is possible to put them all in there on a thin laptop uh, so that's something else you could look at if you're across the pond, David, and uh, let us know how it goes. Send us in some follow up and let us know who you ended up choosing because we would like feedback from people that get not just System 76 machines, but Lenovo's yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Now, David, mm-hmm. since the Linux support is a big one for you, you might want to just give him a call. All right, you want to take James's
2: email? Yeah, James S. writes in, and he wants to talk to you about GDM orientation. So last week on the Linux Action Show, we talked about some of the issues that I was having with my login display. Chris said that he had similar experiences with his GDM, or with his login manager and that it uh, changed the orientation because mm-hmm. he has a, a, vertical a vertical monitor. So screen, he writes yeah. in, and he found a wiki entry in the ArchWiki wiki. Um, that talks about rotating the login screen on a specific display. And he says, let me know if that works. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, Thank so the link you. is there. So maybe you can give that a shot on your workstation upstairs and report back and let us know if that
0: fixes Thanks, your problem. Thanks, James. I will. And I, I, I hope maybe it'll tell me how I can also set which screen the login manager should be on. I really do like GDM with the GNOME desktop. Light DM's fine. You know, people in the chat room said that they haven't had any issues with it. And uh, Anagro ships it by default. I just find... I don't know, man. I just find light. Uh, I just find uh, GDM to be quicker on the login and log out, and quicker mm-hmm. on the lock and unlock. So, if you're for on sure. Antergros and you want to look into switching to GDM, it, I have found it to be worth it. Uh So, thanks, James, for letting me. Know. I will take a look at that wiki link. And if you have had this problem where you have multiple monitors and the login shows up on the wrong one or on the wrong orientation, find the link in the feedback section of the show. All right, that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. There's just a couple of things we'd like to pass along to you before we go. If you want to submit a project or an open source uh, thing you love, like hardware, it doesn't have to be software, uh, or a news story, or comment on a news story, or even comment on this show, Show.reddit.com is the spot to do it. jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact is another place to do it. irc.geekshed.net, pound Jupiter Broadcasting. Wait, pound? Is it, is it pound? Thinking, uh, I'm excuse thinking a me. The term Hashtag. now is- Hashtag. That's what I was thinking. I I should I, Would people understand what a hashtag is more than a pound sign? Because pound Probably. sign refers to the phone, right? Yeah. Hashtag Jupiter Broadcasting. I don't know, whichever one you prefer. Is, you can also just engage in the IRC room. Join us live over at jblive.tv on Sundays. We do it noon Pacific, but you can get it all converted at your local time at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. He's at Colonel Linux. You can follow his business at AltaSpeed. I'm at ChrisLAS, my personal account, and the network account is at Jupiter Signal. Okay, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of the Linux Action Show, and we'll see you right back here next week. I want an Oryx, an Oryx Pro. I want an Oryx, an Oryx Pro, and I want to run Final Cut on it. I wonder. I wonder how hackintoshable. Uh, how hack? I wonder how hackintoshable it would be. <laughs> Because that's really the perfect setup for me Is a couple hours a day I might need Final Cut And then (laughs) Where are you going? You're just walking into (laughs) I'm not saying I would run it all the time I'm saying I go in there I do Final Cut Then I reboot I do that now That's how I'm doing it now I've, I've given up on Canadian Live for a little while I'm taking a break And I'm going to come back to it In about a month or two Or in the next release
2: Listen, I can't give you a whole lot of crap because, like, you have, you have taken, like, I have seen personally, I have seen you fight battles in Caden Live that, like, I was quite sure you were going to give up hours before you actually gave up. <laughs> like, really, like, that, that one time when you got through, like, the entire project. Yeah, man. And, like, fought through the entire thing. And then even the next day, even when nothing worked out, you're like, well, maybe there's some way I can salvage it. maybe, And, you know, whatever. Like, can't really blame you for trying. So pretty hard to hold you responsible then.
0: Too bad there's no good hardware. So but when I'd you love- start
2: talking about adulterating a perfectly good laptop that I, I have no choice but to speak.
0: I, I feel like I, to. I feel like if I could confirm that you could hackintosh an Oryx and successfully dual boot Arch and like a tiny macOS installation, I feel like it almost with Bitcoin up over $700, I feel like I would be worth it for me. I know, I know it's crazy, but I but then I'm not using a MacBook. Isn't that better?
2: That's true, but my my, my problem with the MacBook was never that the Mac doesn't... It's not like I have something against glowing white apples with silver hardware. That's not my problem with it. My problem with it is it makes it too damn easy to run MacBooks. It's MacBook. part of
0: it. It's part of it.
2: Well, yeah, okay. It's part of it in that other people see it, they walk by, and then they go, oh, there's an Apple. Like, that part of it, you know. See, I think a
0: Hackintosh makes it even less appealing to run macOS that often because it's probably not going to be as reliable or stable. So, it would encourage me to still have access to the tools, but use Linux more and not...
2: All right. All right. I tell you what. All right. I tell you what. I'm pledging the first $200 towards your Oryx Pro when you buy.
0: (laughs) I got to know if it runs. I got to know if it's Hackintoshable or not. And don't ask me if I've talked to the K/D and Live Developers chat room. This, 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 you have to understand, this conversation and that no one are having. Bug, and filed a bug. I actually, I gave one of the developers a response on the subreddit. And But you have to understand, this conversation that I'm currently having is the 300th iteration of this conversation. And one of the fundamental issues I have is the audience that's watching this does not do this work. And just like I don't know what a doctor does when they're doing heart surgery or what a mechanic's doing when they're fixing my engine or what my plumber does when they fix that toilet, I I could guesstimate because I'm a smart individual and I think I could probably figure it out and I like to troubleshoot problems and I could probably guess my way through a lot of it. But I simply not knowing how they work, what it's like to work all of that you lack so many insights and i don't mean to be insulting about this but the questions i get they span the range from have you filed a bug as if as if filing bugs could fix 7 to 8 years of feature gaps uh they, then i get the question have you tried this macos emulator it's like wine only to run Mac apps on Linux, and if you just go to the project's website, it says it doesn't support GUIs, so that's a decade off if they ever, ever even get GUI support. And then I get questions about, well, have you tried this editor? Have you tried Blender? And it, it, it fundamentally betrays a lack of understanding of what this kind of work is, how you do work, what it's like to work with these tools, what it's like to work in an industry where there's industry supports and professionals that have knowledge and templates that are made professionally and ready done for you. All of this stuff, nobody has any insights into if they don't do this kind of stuff professionally, and then they sit there and they give me suggestions on what I should be doing, and I'm here to tell you that as the host of the Linux Action Show, I have looked into all of the possibilities, and it saddens me to say it, but there's nothing that fits the bill except for Final Cut, or Premiere, and there's no fucking way I'm switching to Windows just to get away from Final Cut. That would be madness. So I'm left with a laptop from 2013 that I dual-boot Arch and Mac OS on, so that way I have a functional video editor. And it drives me crazy. And that's why I'd like to be able to get an Oryx and Hackintosh it. If you got a home movie of the holidays and you want to cut it up and post it up on Facebook...
2: That's not fair. There are Hollywood grade videos that are cut in Lightworks. In fact, they advertise them all the time, right? So I don't that. think it's fair to you say. You say that? They they say that. It's on their website. Yeah, but you like I but I don't buy it.
0: I don't buy it. Really? Yeah, I don't. Really? I mean, maybe like the trailer was cut in Lightworks, or maybe a specific scene was sub edited out to a contractor and they edited in Lightworks. I don't buy wow. it. I really don't buy it. Okay. I, I don't right. I don't buy that, and I don't, I just, it's all crap. It's such shit. And the thing is, is that it is an offensive piece of shit, too. It's not even like, it's, it is fucking offensive. The UI on that thing is offensive. The way it takes over your machine is offensive. The licensing structure is offensive. The fact that it's stuck in, and, and not just like, like when Lightworks, when Lightworks came at it with this tape-based tape ba- clip, old nomenclature, all this old baggage, like when we first started looking at Lightworks, it was like, oh, that's quaint. Now it feels like it's been 10 years since anybody has actually shot and edited video that way, and they still base their entire editor workflow around that. And then you go to Katie and Live, where the interface is slow and clunky, and the toolkit is clunky, and it's these developers are creating great software, and X11 is shit, and the toolkit is shit. I want you to understand that I am talking about, as a platform, we have issues. I'm not. And then we're going to go over to Wayland, and everything's just going to be fine. All my video editors are just going to work great. <laughs> <laughs> under Wayland? Bullshit. So we we don't have a toolkit that's fast enough, unless all this shit gets GPU, GPU accelerated. When I'm dragging around at, I should be able to move two 1080p, 30 frames per second clips around on a timeline and not have my UI go uh, uh, d- uh, uh, when I do it. It's ridiculous. It could all be GPU accelerated. That movement mm-hmm. of the clip from there to there. GPU accelerate that shit. But you can't, because the toolkit is shit. It's not good enough. So they have to work with the limitation of what the desktop offers them. So Lightworks is offensive on every single level, and then you have KDN Live, which seems to be restricted by all of the technology around it and the fact that it's still new and early. It, I'm telling you, it? the gap here is so bad that I've been thinking about it. I just think I'd give up editing then use anything else, and I have a lot of good content in me that I want to do in video and I want to edit, and I don't want to stop doing video. So I think it's come down to... Doing video or not doing video. And if I'm going to do video, then I just want to fucking get to work. I I don't... I mean, this is such bullshit. This is such a bullshit thing to even be worrying about. I've got work to do. Like, why am I wasting so much time, energy, and money not just working and instead pumping into projects that might not even be around in two years or trying an editor that i know i'm never going to like because it's fundamentally a piece of shit Lightworks. i why why waste my time why do that the-
2: hello hey i got a question for you yeah just so you know you're on air do you, have you ever heard of <laughs> okay. have you ever heard of chicken and waffles uh, chicken and waffles
0: I've been listening to the
2: episode. Oh. <laughs> okay, I got another idea. I got another idea. I have another idea. I know. I know a true southern gentleman. <laughs> You're gonna call
0: somebody. Just... <laughs> all right, I'm just gonna sit back and uh, eat my potato chips while you. Uh... All right, all right. This can be this is a thing for me now. I'm just gonna sit here and chew while you. Uh...
2: There we go. Is it somebody I know? Yeah. <laughs> See if you recognize the voice. You're really not gonna answer. What? What app is that? Ah, uh, hang up. <clears throat> Should do duo.
0: It'd be funny. <sighs> All right, news. Noah, quit screwing around.
2: I'm sorry. I just I had a story I had to tell you.